0: Nisha Dupuy experienced a joyous childhood in a rural village on the Caribbean island of Dominica. The lush green forests of Dominica produce just about every tropical fruit and flower that one can think of. Perhaps what the village did not know is that along with the trees and flowers, it was producing one of the Caribbean's future media prodigies. Later in her childhood, Nisha moved to Anguilla. Where she immersed herself in debating and academic competitions. By the peak of her teen years, her unique look and style allowed her to grace magazine pages and billboards on the island. She had become one of Anguilla's it girls in the local fashion industry, and every photographer was clamoring to place her in front of their shutters. Being a sought after model was awesome. However, Nisha had alternate plans. She wanted not only to pose for the camera, but she wanted to write, produce, and market her own projects. After trying unsuccessfully to gain employment at one of the island's top radio stations, her ambition led her to offer herself as an unpaid intern at said station. The decision led her to a world of experience in media, experiences that she never expected and will likely never forget. This is the story, thus far, of Nisha Dupuis complete with action-packed details of how Hurricane Irma shifted the trajectory of her career. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is a rising star in the world of media in the Caribbean. Nisha Dupuy, welcome to Planet 30.
1: Hi, thank you for having me, Crispin. It's a real honor to be here.
0: We're honored to have you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Nisha, you and I met some years ago, and I can't remember how, but I knew from the start that you were going to be at the top of whatever it is you chose to be at the top of.
1: (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I feel invigorated already, and we're only a few seconds into this.
0: Great, great. So, Nisha, tell me about your childhood.
1: Okay, so I grew up with a single mother... Um, who decided to pursue a degree in nursing when I was quite young. So I had to relocate with my great-grandmother and my cousin. And I was raised primarily in a very rural village of Benz, Dominica. And it was there that I found my love for public speaking. And uh, we grew up (laughs) as really, really, really Mm humble Seventh-day Adventist girls. And I learned a lot about values and morals and what it means to sort of be a creative, just growing up in that village with five thousand people in Dominica. It definitely wasn't a lavish lifestyle. um but I learned a lot through observation.
0: Now, at some point you moved to Anguilla. What was I it? did? Was it culture shock? I know. I know many people say, oh, it's one island to the next, it's all Caribbean, but was there a difference?
1: There's absolutely a difference between the small village that I was raised in and Anguilla, which is also very small in its own right. I was
0: about to say. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, it absolutely is quite small. But Anguilla is where I was introduced to different cultures, believe it or not, through tourism. Because you know, a lot of Americans frequent Anguilla, and a lot of British citizens. And Anguilla was where, and everywhere I else in the Caribbean, a teenager, right? No, but it's no, but in Dominica, in a small village. Oh no, 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 I'm saying interact with, no.
0: What I was saying is that you know, there are a lot of. Uh, other islands that, that, that are present in Anguilla, other nationalities.
1: Exactly, exactly. And yes, so one of my closest friends to agree with what you're saying was St. Lucian, Simonia, who now has like Queen Sue Spa. And so yeah, I met a lot of like different um, people that I really didn't meet growing up in a small village. In the small village, it was all about connecting to Jesus and connecting to our people through uh, church and speaking and singing but then relocating to anguilla it was more about academia and it was more about okay who do i want to be now that i'm a teenager and i live here and that's when i was introduced to radio anguilla when i was just about 16 17 and i found that i don't just love speaking i actually want to make this a career you know, mm-hmm. and that's what Angola represents for me. It's sort of, Angola was my nurturer. Um, she sort of guided me through my initial introductions with media and presenting.
0: Understandable, understandable. Where, where does your fervor for language, I mean, where was the seed really planted? Is it Was it in church, you think? Because you mentioned uh, In the Village, yeah?
1: Absolutely, Crispin. Like, I relate to artists when they say that they began singing in the church. For me, I began speaking in the church. I was a young preacher, and I would go to, like, for example, in Benz, we would have a group of youth young people speaking. And then the best of the best would have to go to another village, Westby, and represent that district. And that's who I was. I was the young person on fire for delivering messages. And I relocated to Angola and I nervously, I have to say, because I was quite intimidating intimidated to sort of audition for the Leeward Islands debating competition, but I did that. So it started in church, and then it evolved into debating and the Leeward Islands competition on Anguilla.
0: Right, and um, I guess for those that don't know, the Leeward Islands debating competition is of a high caliber. It's been around for almost, what is it, 40-something years at this point? And, um, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it's very high caliber, and Anguilla has a solid reputation for winning. So Anguilla? Yeah. I, I can imagine when you were auditioning, it was the intimidation, but um, you succeeded and you, and you joined the team, mm-hmm. and you represented where?
1: You know what? One of my regrets as a debater is that I was one who was drafted for the th- for the team three times, one as a standby and twice as an actual debater, and I never actually got to make it to the wrongs where I was actually the debater.
0: Oh no! So
1: <laughs> I know my career as a Leeward Islands debater consisted mainly. Um, of auditioning and Re- rehearsal. Resource. I remember in Monstrata, I was to be the second speaker, and unfortunately, we didn't make it to the second round, right? Um, but generally speaking the leeward islands debating competition to add to what you said about it it's one of those really invigorating experiences for young speakers where they get to speak about really really important regional and international issues i loved what debating represented for me as a teenager Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, indeed mm-hmm. Sure. so so that was sort of a catalyst uh in terms of your career now, briefly touch on mooted globates. Tell us about that. What was that about?
1: <laughs> mooted globates. Um, so, after debating in the Leeward Islands debating competition, I, being originally from Dominica, which is considered as a Windward Island, I thought, you know what, we need a competition like this. In the we- Windward Islands, where the collective group of islands come together and the young people debate um, these issues like we do in the Leeward Islands. That is what Mooted Globates was meant to do and then take regional debating competitions into the international sphere and have regional debaters debate against Canada and the United States. And that's a mission that I spoke very closely with uh, George Irish, please rest in peace, mm-hmm. who is the founder of the Leeward Islands basing competition.
0: And Dr. Dr. Spoke, Irish was a good man.
1: Oh, he was a phenomenal individual. And we spoke about the day when the Windward Islands and the Leeward Islands would go against each other in this grand regional debate you know what speaking about it i am so set on fire and so excited about what that would actually look like um he's since passed away unfortunately but mood hit Globates was an organization that i founded to realize more of our debating capacities to the region throughout the region uh, i have to admit crispin it's a project of mine that has since been on the back burner for some time, but that's why I love that we're having this conversation, because I think it's so important to have young persons speaking about topical issues and sort of contributing uh, their perspective on issues that sometimes are sort of silenced out of.
0: hmm indeed. Yeah. I can I can imagine having Jamaica and Trinidad and Guyana thrown in as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, um, I know you probably don't like to talk about this too much, but I got to ask you about it because, you know, Anguilla is the type of place that every few years, there is an it girl in all local media. She'll be on billboards, in the magazines, on social media. And for a period of time... Nisha Dupuy with the low haircut was the it girl in modeling. <laughs> what made you take up modeling at that time?
1: Um, modeling came to me. I would want to say that because I was propositioned to appear in catwalks and to take photos with like Jerome Dupont at the time. Mm. Um, I hope I pronounced that last name you did, right. You did, you you did. I have mercy. Excellent photographer. <laughs> Yes, the photographer. And, you know, he saw me on the catwalk for Janae's, Janae's swimsuit show. filo Yeah, filo And you remember when Tammy came, Waka Flocka's wife?
0: And ah, Tammy Jerome, Rivera. Okay.
1: Yeah, t- Tammy Rivera, yes. Um, and Jerome contacted me after the show, and he said, you know what? I think your haircut is like exquisite, I would love to take photos of you and I started working with Jerome and you know one of my closest friends, Marsha Richards, she was a makeup artist mm-hmm. and we all came together and we formed this sort of um, this team of artistry with makeup and modelling and photography and it was just something that I felt really passionate about at the time I hear talking about it now because it's like it's no longer something that sets me on fire, but I still look at, um, people work, people, uh, work on Instagram and I say, wow, this is a beautiful photo. Like I would still love to go ahead and like do a, a photo shoot. Cause it really is fun, but I just decided that media would be my calling and I accept that. And, um, I kind of put modeling on the back burner.
0: You can do both.
1: Yeah, that is true. But you have to be, I think, passionate about both. And I mean, who knows? I may go ahead and stand in front of the camera and take um, shots. But you know, I'm no longer the girl with the short hair. Ah. (laughs) I'm. I now have a full Afro, and um, I do YouTube videos, like social commentary. So I think basically what I want to say and what I want to bring to the conversation has sort of, of changed.
0: Indeed, yeah. indeed. So for someone that's so busy, and we haven't even gotten into all that you do as yet, but how do you relax? How do you take a break?
1: I read. Right now, I'm reading The Water Dancer by Coates, and it's about a young man who seeks emancipation from slavery. And so he sort of tries to run away, fails, ends up in the underground where he's rescuing, rescuing uh, people who are enslaved and working with Harriet Tubman. And he's experiencing the powers of being transported from one city to the next to free slaves based on the memory of slavery. Um, That's how I get away from everything that's happening right now with the coronavirus. And obviously you cannot ever get away from black lives mattering, but I love autobiographies and I love stories about history. Um, and so I'm reading something that's historically based, but also very applicable to what we're experiencing right now with Black Lives uh, Matter protests of around course. the world. Of course, yeah. of course, But I, I watch Netflix, so I have to say, like, a good um, TV show is, like, my guilty pleasure. Give <laughs> me <being> one of <laughs> what, what do you, So what are you watching?
0: What, is, what, is, what are you watching right now?
1: I'm watching, I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy. From the start? Uh, from the start, episode one. <laughs> wow,
0: Qu- um, quite ambitious. I'm watching
1: in, yeah, very, very ambitious. My mother would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had they're the long one of the longest running shows. So it's a lot of uh, seasons to go through, but then of course there's Insecure, um, written by E. Thery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love Insecure. They're coming through with very powerful message right messages right now about mental health and self care, and so I'm all for that right now.
0: Awesome. What you you mentioned one book, which is the book you're currently reading. Well, what what are some yeah. of your uh, favorite books of, of all time?
1: my favorite books of all time would have to be dreams of my father from barack obama mm-hmm. um and i absolutely i'm in love with maya angelo's autobiography i feel that her description or depiction of how she was impregnated and her story of molestation and what it meant to be a black girl at that time is so profound I think those two books are at the top of my list.
0: Mm, interesting. Sure. Are you a, are you an article reader at all? Do you read magazines or blogs?
1: I read news stories. I read the BBC. Um, I would scan through, like, the New York Times. Um, I But I wouldn't say that I read much blogs, no. I'm more of like, I would watch vlogs. Ah. Like, I would watch the Dusty Berry show on YouTube, you know?
0: Now, Nisha, tell tell me about your absolute obsession Mm. with one Miss Oprah Winfrey.
1: Oh, Lordy. You know what? Oprah just represents the ideal woman in my mind. She has used her gift of gab... And it has transcended into such rich experiences for her. Being a talk show host, she's interviewed thousands of people. And when I say that, I don't just take that that statement lightly, interviewed thousands of people. That means she's delved into the minds of so many individuals and have sort of handled the subject matters in a public forum in such a powerful way I can only aspire to be like her like Oprah Um, I love also her philanthropic efforts I feel that she has truly used her life experience you know having cockroaches as her friends and feeling sort of isolated in the world as a black girl growing up um into such profound experiences as this woman who walks around the studio with a mic and asks people, you know, how do you feel about this? Um, she's a powerhouse, and I would like to be like her. Oprah, to me, is ah, uh, wow. She is. She would be the definition of an idol. Mm. I love the way that she speaks. I love the way that she interacts with people. She is perfect with an audience. And I always love um, producing the type of content that is filmed in front of other people. Like I hosted this um, talk at... Do you know Denden's uh, tea? It is it what about The
0: Tea Box Lounge. The
1: Tea Box Lounge. Yes, we hosted this talk for women, and I got to be the host of that, and I got to feel what it was like to just listen and um, conduct a conversation, and I absolutely love that, and that for sure stems um, my love for, for Oprah. I love what she does in media
0: Awesome And I would love to replicate that So you you went through Li Raing's debating At this point you knew that you wanted to do something In public speaking But when did it When did the journalism bug specifically When did that hit you
1: You know what it didn't really hit me by choice I never quite set out To be a journalist And to this day I do not identify As a journalist Um, But that came about through Hurricane Irma, um, when 185 miles per hour winds, you know, blasted the studios of Radio Anguilla. And I was contacted by CBC and BBC and The Guardian, etc. And I served as sort of a Caribbean correspondent for some time, relaying...
0: Not to cut you off there, but can you back up a little bit for us? Describe that night... Because there's an infamous story about you being in the studio at 19 years old during Hurricane Irma in 2017. Describe the night for how did the night begin?
1: You know what? We came, Brittany and I, who was the secretary at Radio Anguilla, we came from Procter Supermarket doing a review on the supplies and, you know, saying, don't go to that store because it's closed. And I said, you know what, I'm going to spend my night at this radio station. Did, your family, mom- did your family
0: think that you were absolutely insane?
1: No, because my mom is a nurse and Uh she's also spending her nights at the hospital. Okay. Yeah, at the hospital. So my mom's like, I'm going to be at work. Where are you going to be? And I said, You know, I'm going to be at work too. What is something that someone, uh, people probably didn't know is that before I even got to work, I sent out messages, for example, to CNN, and I said, my name and that i would be working and etc 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 i i put it in the universe before i even got into the studio because i knew the magnitude of what was approaching and i knew that i was ready to sort of stand in that shaking building and present on whatever it was that needed to be presented on that is passion Mm-hmm. And I went into the studio and it was a rainy, thundery night with lightning in the sky. And I was comforted by the presence of Keith Stone Graves and Lester and Brittany who were already in studio. And we just studio? Yeah, we were giving broadcasts until we started to see Leaves sort of forcing their way through the Louvers. And people started to call, a man called saying, you know what, I'm in here with my baby and the door is flying away, like, help us, help us. And at that time, I served as that connection with the emergency responders who were next door um, in the police building. And we would just sort of relay messages.
0: Wow!
1: wow. And that happened until the power failed. And... Um being a seventeen year old nineteen well, how old was I? <laughs> See, I, it's,
0: it's I believe so 19, I know it's traumatic. I believe you were nineteen.
1: Yeah, it's so far removed. but uh, being a teenager, I took to social media um, and I just started reporting from there because our radio system was down. so there was down, still there was still pardon. internet
0: and I think you mentioned uh, I, that you had a GoPro camera.
1: No, I was using my iPhone uh, with a selfie stick. Ah, <laughs>
0: that's it. An iPhone and a selfie stick is really all it took. Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. So, you stayed there until about what time in the morning?
1: Um, I stayed there until mid next morning. So I probably left the station around 9, 10 o'clock.
0: And when you and you when you walked outside. Describe the devastation on the scene. I
1: cried when I left the studios of Radio Anguilla. Um, the Jeep was, vehicles, my co worker uh, Jeep was completely moved from one point of the parking lot to the next. I saw buildings that were collapsed. I saw bare trees. I saw that something had just shook this island. And going through that night, I knew that it was bad. I knew I felt the shake. I felt the pressure in my ears. But I didn't know that every pole would have been down. I didn't know that there would be full debris on the ground and I would have to sort of like navigate my way through the maze of the destruction that was there didn't know what this meant for my island. Um, Rightfully, I've, I've been raised on Anguilla for some time and I consider it home. I didn't know what that meant for my island and the days following answered that question's that question there were people without food there were people without water there were people without electricity Mm -hmm. and that was a reality for like six months after september 6 which is when hurricane herma hit for six months after there was um still no electricity in some parts of anguilla yeah so it was a very real traumatic um experience we had only one death unfortunately And still, thankfully, because considering what I felt, I know that I thought more people would have died.
0: Unfo- um, unfortunately, I was there to witness as well. So yeah. I know too well what you're speaking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, crazy, right? I don't think of hurricanes the same way after Hurricane Irma. Oh,
0: no, that was different. That was That was different. That was different. That was yeah. otherworldly. You know, yeah. but no, I I remember being truly amazed at the report that this 19 year old had held, was part of the team holding the fort down, and and she held her own, reporting to the world. So did yeah. CNN and the other stations. They, did they uh, were they able to grab hold of your social media while you were speaking and taping uh, during the hurricane?
1: Well, it happened in the morning after when uh, the eye had passed and the storm raged and everything had finally come to a halt. I was first contacted by uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, CBC. (laughs) And they were the first to broadcast my story. After that, it was a floodgate of attention from international media houses that wanted to find out about the state of Angola and primarily British media houses that wanted to know, was the government doing enough? Um, So, of course, it was about the disaster, but it was also political over time.
0: I see, I see. But you you left Anguilla, and you ended up in London, and you appeared on the BBC. Uh, Yeah. For a 19-year-old that interned her way into a position at Radio Anguilla, (laughs) put herself through the worst hurricane in, in, in known history, to be put on air on the BBC. What was that feeling like?
1: I felt gratitude felt gratitude not only because I had survived and my family had survived but because I was sort of living all my dreams Mm -hmm. unfortunately in a time that was uh through devastation but as a person in media I mean you dream of ending up on the BBC and the, the reality is that I had done the interview before via the phone when I spoke with BBC North, I spoke to BBC London, I spoke to BBC World. But to sit in the studio on that night, I felt immense pressure to appropriately represent the reality of what was happening in Angola at the time. We were short of linesmen. The electricity needed to be on and they wanted to do that by Christmas. And that was sort of my focal point for the interview. I just wanted to be that beacon who would continue to share messages about what was necessary for Anguilla. Was it terrifying? Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, But I also felt honored. And um, looking back now, as a 22 year old, I would say, yes, there are things I would have done differently. But I'm grateful for that experience. And and, I mean, it led to, to different things. Like it led to me working with DW, it led to me working with Channel 4 on stories like Brexit, right? And what that would mean for Angola. So I mean, Hurricane Irma is scary. And as destructive and of cruel, and as cruel as she was, um, she still brought so much experience
0: for me. Life experience, career experience that I'm still grateful for. Wow, wow. Well said, well said. So after your BBC appearance, you end mm-hmm. up in Jamaica.
1: Jamaica, Jamaica. At I university. Tell us,
0: tell us about your uh, your major and what you're doing at university.
1: Yeah, I study communication arts and technology, and I'm tutored by uh, professors like Jerome Shepard and Nadine McLeod, and she's a journalist here in Jamaica. And I'm learning about signs and symbols and how communication is sort of this massive thing and powerful thing and I'm appreciating that more and more but I'm also learning really technical things like lighting for photography and uh, videography and audio and Jamaica has absolutely even if it's in the Caribbean and I'm from the Caribbean it has still been a cultural shock because it's three million people about right coming from 17,000 in Dominica or 14,000 in Angola. It's quite a difference of pace. And I'm learning so sort of put more pep in my step. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and Jamaica is really lovely. um, But at the same time, it's another one. It's another learning experience. Um, And I'm, again, grateful to be here, like studying communication and learning more about what I ultimately want to be a part of in the real world.
0: Putting the academics behind the the talent that already exists, I see.
1: I appreciate that, (laughs) Kisman. Thank you.
0: And um, You're welcome. And you have a new show on social media. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I have two. I have two. Whoa, two. Okay.
0: Go ahead. I have
1: two. I have Find Finding Legends, which um was created by Shavon Smith here in Jamaica. Um I met him while at university and we both had a passion for sharing stories um, success stories like in their own right right so we interviewed someone who was hearing impaired but had his own company okay. and it really is that human interest interview where we ask you know how did you get from here to there we're interested and our own interest is also helpful for other um, individuals who may have their own struggles and they can easily grab bits of inspiration from the interviews that we are providing online. So that's Finding Legends. And then I have my own space on YouTube. It's a really small baby channel. Oh my God, it's so it's such a baby channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing, but but it's Nisha Dupi And I speak about Social commentary so like Black Lives Matter and I want to get into Discussions on colorism and love And romance and uh, it's, it's Me sort of doing something In my living room while I can't Go into the rest of the world right now That I'm still pretty Passionate about and topics that I'm Still quite interested in
0: Excellent Nisha, what, what keeps you motivated?
1: My mom. Instantly you asked that and I thought of my mom. I thought about how hard she sort of worked for me and my siblings. And I have a niece right now. And I absolutely would want to be a daughter that my mother is proud of. I want to share information that is helpful to others. So I think about the people who are watching my content because time is a precious commodity. If you take 15 minutes to watch an interview, like I I absolutely respect that and I have gratitude for that. So the people who watch the content to gain something whatever it is that I may have to offer at that time and my family would be the two things um that work the two synergies that sort of help my life to stay inspirational Mm. you know and then myself I should add me I should be the third thing because at the end of today we all want to die knowing that we've made some sort of impact right
0: of course of course Now, of course, you know, you mentioned your girl, Oprah. But are there any other persons? I know Oprah and your mom, but anyone else in the wider world of media or even that you've come across in your lifetime that inspires you? Who inspires you?
1: I love Michelle Obama. Um, I love Terry Carell, who's a media personality out of Jamaica. Um, But sidetracking back to, like, Barack Obama, I read Becoming – And I read sort of feminine-based issues, which is how do you balance being a woman who wants to procreate, wants to have children, um, with being a woman who is also like the first lady? How do those two things work together Um, How do you handle real feminine issues like infertility and marriage problems? And so I would say Michelle Obama, because she always brings, like, I think her truest self to conversations, being that a girl from the south side of Chicago. um, She's definitely someone that I watch and who fuels me like some more.
0: Nisha, what's the next big thing for you?
1: I wish I knew, but only God can answer that, isn't it? Ah. I I know what I'm working towards. I'm working towards having the Nisha Dupuy talk show. I want to be that person that you come, and there's whether it's 50 or 300 people in the audience, and we have discussions about um, molestation or lifestyle issues. Whatever the subject matter is, I want to continue to engage people on media platforms. I see the power in that and I'm invigorated by that and I see how helpful it is to other people. So I don't know what the next big thing is. I mean, who knows? Um, I hope the next big thing is that we um, no longer see monuments of racist people appearing in our Western world. I hope the next big thing is that um, women are able to be equally represented as men. I hope the next big thing is that girls are safer mm-hmm. from predators. Um,
0: unfortunately, I don't have full control, but I know that I will
1: continue to try um, to add what I my perspective on the discussions and Continue to do what I can to make a difference.
0: Uh, well, let me ask you this: if it w- if it wasn't media, is there something else or another career that you would you had interest in as a, as a child?
1: Yeah, I acting. I, there are a few actually. There was acting, and I love economics. So at one point, I wanted to study political economics. Um, and I wanted to, again, see a Caribbean state where we were all integrated as one, because I don't believe in nationalism from the Caribbean perspective. I think we would be so much more effective as if we worked as a group like the United States. Um, so there was that. And yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. But <laughs> That's another can of worms. But yeah, I won't even <laughs> delve into that right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of Caribbean state, I mean the Caribbean is filled with uh, the arts, especially music. What do you? What does Nisha Dupuis listen to?
1: Mm-hmm. All type of things. I go from Janine to the Smoke. You know, the Smoke is the new artist, right?
0: Um, from.
1: Oh, I like. Is it no Los Angeles? Yes. No. Yes, 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 Englewood, Englewood
0: Okay, so am yeah. I Am I hearing that, that Nisha Dupuy likes a little trap? Yeah,
1: I love reggae, I love rap, I love dancehall um, I, You know, I seldomly listen to soca, Wh- which but I know interesting, what soca is
0: for Which is interesting, growing up in both Dominica and Anguilla, where, where soca reign supreme
1: Yeah, soca is sort of as the base of our festivities, yes So, when I am in the mood to, like, party and, like, dance, I'll put on soca. Mm. Like, so long I don't see ya. Like, something like that. (laughs) No bouillon? Uh, uh, You know what? I haven't been listening to much bouillon music.
0: Ah. We'll have to get Mm -hmm. you some.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'll appreciate that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, the ultimate goal for Nisha Dupuy, I know the talk show is one of them, but... On a grand scale, what is what is that big thing that you, you wish to obtain or accomplish when it's all said yeah. and done?
1: I think I speak for so many people when I say this. I would love to um, be at the point where I'm able to be a philanthropist. I would love to accumulate to the point of being able to give back all that was given to me. When we go back to Oprah Winfrey Winfrey, and we think of the school in South Africa, I think of the Caribbean and I think of how many girls are maybe not able to go to college, not even to go to high school because they have to play another role. And ultimately, Nisha Dupree would like to contribute to girls like that and people like that who are on the other side of wealth. Because even if we live in a world of capitalism, there is still injustice. There's still poverty. And outside of career, I want to be the person who sort of closes the gap just a little bit for girls like me.
0: Love it. Now, Nisha, this is a segment that I call The Planet is Yours. Uh, I strap on my spacesuit, I button it up, and I leap off Planet 30, and I leave you there alone. Tell the audience whatever it is you want to tell them.
1: I love you so much for tuning in. Um, I love you so much for the contribution that you are making in your own world. And I know right now it's, like, super crazy. And we don't really know what it is that we're doing. There's so much happening But I beg that whatever it is that you do, you find time for solitude and you find time to connect with the thing that makes you powerful. Remember that you are and just continue to leave your stamp as boldly as you possibly can. Share your truth. And I can only try to do the same thing.
0: I couldn't have said it any better because it's Nisha. And Nisha said it perfectly. (laughs) 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 <laughs> tell everyone how they can contact you, Nisha. Tell them about, um, tell them how they can see your social media shows, etc.
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Nisha Dupuis, and you can uh, find my YouTube channel, Nisha Dupuis, as well. And I know my last name is like a whole, oh God, confusion in itself, but it's C-U-P-U-I-S, Dupuis. Is, Voila. is, it,
0: is it French?
1: It is French, okay. yes. And you know what the truth is? Not even I have perfected my last name. So feel free to add your spin on it. Do you pee? Did you plea? I mean, make it spicy if you can. <laughs> um, but Nisha is quite simple, N I S H A. And I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook. And yeah, you can definitely comment on my videos and share your thoughts because I'm always kind of attuned to what's happening.
0: Nisha Dupuy, I cannot thank you enough for joining me on Planet 30.
1: Thank you for having me, Kristen. I mean, I love what you're doing with this new podcast. And you've had very interesting conversations, but I feel quite honored to be a part of that.
0: I, I could do no less. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This is Planet 30. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet 30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O N P L A N E T T H I R T Y. At gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P L A N E T T H I R T com.